Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And a very good Friday morning to you as we welcome you along uh, to the programme. Just to pick up on, uh, I heard Barry there uh, read out the death notice for uh, Tom Kavanagh uh, from Formoy. I just, actually before I came on air this morning, I heard the sad, sad news of the passing of uh, Tom uh, Kavanagh of, you know, well-known uh, to people in the North Cork area from Kavanagh's of Formoy. But I would have interviewed Tom, I lost count of the number of times I interviewed Tom on the programme, particularly since he set up the huge, what has now become the hugely successful Irish business against uh, litter. And he was just always such a, a wonderful man uh, who had such passion for the eyeball, for the Litter League survey and trying to make our country as clean and as beautiful as possible. And he saw it very much from a business point of view, how it was just such a bad image for this country when there's litter all over the place. But he also saw it for people who have to live in these areas that are heavily littered. And he put so much work and effort into getting the Irish Business Against Litter campaign off the ground and he's left what is now a very hugely, hugely uh, successful organisation. And of course, he was also known uh, as a kind and a very, very generous man. He set up the Tomar uh, Trust along with his late wife, Marie, uh, and the name coming from a combination of their two names, Tom and Marie. And that was a, a philanthropic trust that aims to contribute to strengthening Irish society. And he has supported so many community and voluntary organisations through the Tomar uh, Trust. So can I just extend my deepest, deepest sympathies uh, to Tom's family, to his children, his grandchildren. And I read on the the death notice uh, this morning. He has 11 great grandchildren as well and all of his extended family. May he, may he rest in peace. Uh, Tom Kavanagh was a great, great man. Now, needless to say, all of the papers today are full of photographs, so many photographs of Queen Elizabeth II on her passing uh, yesterday, 96 years of age and 70 years in the throne. Uh, the Irish Independent have uh, one of those lovely smiling photographs of her with her, her string of, uh, with a triple string of pearls around her neck, saying a beacon of calm in a world of uh, constant change and condolences and tributes from right across the world have been paid to the 96-year-old uh, monarch who had greeted 15 prime ministers 
She visited 117 countries and she met with 12 US presidents during her reign. Our own President Michael D. Higgins was among the world leaders expressing condolences on the loss of what he described as a unique, committed and deeply respected head of state. Her reign of 70 years, said, said President Higgins, encompassed periods of enormous change during which she represented a remarkable source of reassurance to the British um, uh, people. And the uh, tricolour uh, government buildings actually were lowered to half-mast yesterday evening as a mark of uh, respect. But so much attention and focus going on the 2011 visit. The Queen made a very historic four-day trip to Ireland and back in 2011 she became the first British monarch to visit the country since Irish independence and as well as the official events in Dublin Castle and the National War Memorial Gardens. She also of course went to the Guinness Storehouse in Dublin. A famous visit to the English market in Cork and the National Stud in Kildare because everybody knows she had a great great love of uh, horses and of course she also paid a visit to the Rock of uh, Cashel and throughout the day yesterday members of the British royal family made their way to Balmoral the Scottish holiday home where the Queen had been since uh, July so we all sort of knew when everyone and the way particularly the way the BBC were reporting things everybody knew that uh, the news was on the way just as to when it was actually going to be announced that she had uh, passed now it seems all, all we know now that all four of the Queen's children uh, did arrive at the castle but that was ahead of the announcement of the death there's no indication th- to say whether they were with her as she died or that they got there uh, before she died her grand some Prince William uh, of course he's, he's now heir to the throne he was also there Harry was the last to arrive he travelled to Scotland and he arrived actually to, after the death had been posted up on the railings of uh, Buckingham pa- Palace and of course putting it up on the railings of Buckingham Palace that is all part of the tradition and you know reading through the papers today and there's so much uh, attention given uh, to it. It's hard to avoid, I suppose, the old uh, cliche, but it truly is the end of an era. Because when when you think about the Queen, she had 15 prime ministers, her last just being Liz uh, Truss just this week. And Liz Truss was born in 1975. But the Queen's first Prime Minister was Winston Churchill. And Winston Churchill was born in 1874, 101 years between the birth of her first Prime Minister and her last Prime Minister. Stalin was ruling the the Soviet Union when she started her reign. And the American president at the start of her reign back in 1953 was Dwight Eisenhower. So she certainly has ruled over so many periods of uh, history. And then, of course, probably in more recent years, her family problems have loomed large in all of the headlines and all the papers and across all of the social media, be it from Prince Andrew's unwise friendships and relationships, Harry and Meghan's uh, continuously going on about how unhappy they were to be part of the royal uh, household. And all of that, you know, looking at this elderly woman, you couldn't help but have some sort of sympathy uh, for her. But to me, I think one of the saddest parts was the, the photographs of her after she lost her beloved husband uh, Philip and when she was pictured sitting all on her own 
in uh, the in the church in in Westminster, wasn't it? Uh, where she was, where she had the COVID mask uh, on, and I just painted such a sad, sad uh, picture. She's only lasted what uh, seventeen months uh, after, you know, and and she always described him as her beloved strength and her stay and he was her constant and her devoted companion and and he was always uh, beside her and I think the journalist Mary Kenny summed it up uh, when she was writing about the Queen today she said there will there will certainly never be another reign like hers stretching over 70 years and perhaps there will never be a personality that could carry off both regal distance and friendly uh, intimacy. I mean, when you think about it, people all over the world knew her. She was one of those very, very familiar faces. And the fact that she was, you know, 70 years in the throne, meaning anybody uh, under the age of 70 only knew one queen, one queen for uh, England, and that was uh, Queen Elizabeth. So she's just certainly one of those very well-known uh, faces. And all of the papers are writing about that very memorable trip to Ireland in uh, 2011. And, you know, the first few days of it, there was a lot of nervousness about it and the, making sure that everything was going to go according to plan. And we had scenes of Dublin streets empty. The streets were closed off. Nobody was allowed to be out and about on the streets. And then she came to Cork, which was the final day of the visit. And it was just completely different. Everybody was much more relaxed. There was huge crowds uh, lining the streets. And then she did that wonderful impromptu a walkabout on the Grand Parade where she went over and she was greeting people. And there was a gorgeous scene where a young man with uh, Down syndrome really grabbing her hand and delighted to see her. And she had a big smile and, and on her face. And I suppose the highlight and the one that everyone will remember from that particular day was Pat O'Connell, the fishmonger in the English uh, market. And I heard Pat on our news there earlier uh, this morning. And that just, that picture, that iconic picture became a, kind of a, a national treasure. And it was just sort of, you could see the crack they were having. <laughs> I mean, literally, she was roaring, laughing and as was him. It was, and just that moment in time was captured uh, by the photographer. So we've decided this morning that uh, we'll, we'll reflect on that visit to the English uh, market. And we sent Mairead Tuig, our news reporter, along to the English market this morning to chat with some of the people who would have been there on the day and to share with us their memories of Queen Elizabeth's visit back in 2011. Sheila Fitzpatrick. So Sheila, tell me, if we'll take us back to 2011 and, and when the Queen visited the English market, what was it like? Um, it was it was really surreal. Actually, it was strange. Um, I remember the buzz in the morning, and um, everybody was in very good form. Everybody was really, you know, excited about it because it was a historic occasion, of course. But actually, when she arrived, um, I remember looking down towards the entrance there from Grand Parade, and just seeing this very familiar face coming in the front door. And that seemed very strange. But she really won everybody over with her warmth and her curiosity and her interest, genuine interest, in everything that we did. And she was remarkable even then for her age. Um, she, I remember her walking around without the aid of any stick or no one held her arm. She just walked around the market and asked questions and talked to, to everybody. So. And I suppose news of her passing yesterday it must have came, I suppose, with a real sadness here because those links have been formed. Yeah, there the was a sadness. And, you know, people might not have said that 20 years ago. They wouldn't have expected that. 
but I think we really felt that she wanted to be here and it just wasn't a political visit or what you know it was a genuine interest and she seemed to be really enjoying herself so it was um, it was a day I'll never forget I mean I remember shaking hands with her and thinking you know she dates back to you know Queen Victoria and you know that connection with history and not forgetting our own history with the United Kingdom but I think it did a lot to heal wounds. Holly Newland. Well everybody was all excited and then we were closed that morning and we were all getting together and all excited for her visit like and when she came then she was so nice and so was Prince Philip as well and um, like they love the walk around they have fierce interest in everything in the English market you know it was a great day overall and I suppose like what it did as well for the English market, it really put it on the global map as well, didn't it? Oh, it did, yeah, definitely. We have um, all cultures now coming, you know, and it's great to see them. And I suppose news of Queen Elizabeth's passing yesterday, it comes with real sadness, doesn't it? It does, of course, and that day will come right back to you, like, you know, and like the fact that she was here and she stood at the, the counters. To Mulcahy Chicken Inn, English market. Well, we were here, yeah, and it was, uh, it was the best day the market ever had, you know, I mean... The eyes of the world were on Cork that day, and there was huge media coverage, um, and security was it was enormous uh, getting into the market. Uh, Guarded validation beforehand uh, for everybody that was in the building. So it was really, um, it was kind of tense and nervous beforehand, but uh, the minute um, Queen Elizabeth arrived and the minute she got the sense that she was at ease, um, it wasn't really being treated as uh, an official function, even though it was on the itinerary. Um, it was just a, a much more casual walk around and, and a chat. We weren't originally on the list of people that she would meet, um, but we knew we had people behind the counter and we knew the minute she saw people that she would react to it. And she did and she stopped and she said hello. And, she had inquiries about one or two products that we were doing at the time, uh, clinical tea pudding, which is available in Harrods. So she'd be well aware of, of that, and she recognised it on the counter. Um, thanks to Colette, we came in and did a display um, for it, and that display attracted her, her attention towards it. That's amazing. So you guys hear of great memories of that time when, when she visited? Oh, huge, huge. And like I, my two eldest girls were taken out of school that day, so they came in as well. Um, and they're in their 20s now, you know. And even even last night, the, the WhatsApp's going around, they all recalling the day they were in the market when they met her. You know, so it's it's huge, it's huge. I think it's the time that goes down in history, doesn't it? And uh, was it the former Lord Mayor Councillor Michael O'Connell said to me last night that Prince Charles was recalling, um, I suppose, where his mother had been a few years ago when, and he mentioned Cork, he highlighted Cork, so it really left a lasting impression on her. Huge, and I mean, Cork was Cork was uh, seen as the, the city it is, a city of huge welcomes. Um, you can't come into the city without walking around the corner meeting somebody um, that you know and chatting to somebody. And it's even just a nod or a smile, and you get that in in Cork City Centre, and that's our that's our uniqueness, and that's what we need to hold on to. And you mentioned last night when the news broke of her passing, the WhatsApps and everything going around. So it's a really sad time because there is that link there. 
that there will always be a link and even with Prince Charles now the day he was in the market he was extremely casual he was um, he was very approachable um, he was very inquisitive about everyone um, and about what they did and um, he, he just had a very very nice manner about him um, and it was miles away from people's perceptions um, that they have Daphne Roach from O'Sullivan's Poultry in the English Market. So Daphne, let's take us back to 2011. Were you here for the visit of Queen Elizabeth? We were. Uh, we had the whole family here. It was very exciting. Um, lovely to see the market in full glory. The fountain full of lovely local um, fruit and veg. It was beautifully decorated. Um, really nice, uh, nice atmosphere. Everybody was excited. There was people coming into up to all the gates to try to see in and once she left, the gates opened and there was a sea of people just running through the market just to see what she'd looked at and where she'd been and what she'd seen. It was really a very exciting day. And would you say that the visit, I suppose, did something great for the market in terms of it, it put it on the global map, I suppose? It did. I suppose it showed people, people of Cork even, what they had on their doorstep and the um, amazing availability of local fresh uh, fruit, meat, vegetables it's all here and when you heard of her passing yesterday i suppose it's a really sad moment isn't it because we have those links now we do and i suppose you know it's uh, she was kind of like i suppose a, a, a granny figure to um everybody whether you were part of the commonwealth or not um she she's still there you know um and i suppose it's sad for the family as well she's you know their mother granny great-grandmother you know it's it's, it's sad yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point as well. You know, well, while everyone's talking about the passing of uh, Queen Elizabeth, there's a family uh, grieving as well. Actually, I did see because uh, there's so much organisation now will go into the next 10 days of mourning, which they reckon may even go longer than uh, 10 days. Uh, there will be a period where her remains will remain in Balmoral, I think, for about three days, which will allow the family some private grieving, which I was glad when I heard about that, because so much of the grieving uh, and so much of the funeral, of course, will all be done in the public eye so thank you to Mairead for going down to the English market I loved that story about how she recognised the Clonakilty pudding Clonakilty pudding it travels all over the world doesn't it there's nothing like a good piece of Clonakilty black or white pudding and I know people have there can be arguments over which is best the white pudding or the black uh, pudding so that was lovely to hear that she spotted it and knew exactly because she spotted it in Harrods uh, she knew what the Clonakilty pudding was OK some of your thoughts coming into us um, Jim says uh, Patricia yes indeed it is the end of an era with the passing of Queen Elizabeth II she loved Balmoral and its uh, countryside yeah and there was something nice about the fact that that's where she died in a place that she so adored however says Jim we look forward to seeing King Charles III take the throne and be a more uh, be more active as head of state and vocal on issues like climate change and biodiversity uh, decline and that's something he is extremely uh, passionate about. Thank you for that uh, Jim. And uh, Philip Joyce by email says greetings from Clonakilty Patricia. How sadly coincidental that Queen Elizabeth should die on September the 8th, the date when the birthday of the Blessed Virgin Mary is celebrated. In 1999 following a family wedding in London, our eldest son Mark and I took advantage of Buckingham Palace being open to the public. It was £12.50 sterling a ticket. Expensive. What amazed us while viewing the hall of artwork and pictures within was to see amongst the collection a 15th century portrayal of the Blessed Virgin Mary was either the Assumption or the Immaculate Conception. By the way, the smallest souvenir displaying the Royal Court, Court 
Royal Coat of Arms available at the gift shop was a thimble and it cost five pounds sterling and, it, and Philip doesn't say in his email whether he purchased the thimble or not they certainly know how to make money for sure in all of those uh, gift shops thank you for that that was uh, Philip emailing Patricia at c103.ie while the United Kingdom will remain in this uh, period of national mourning for at least the next uh, 10 days if not uh, longer let us uh, just for a moment think about the huge the awful outpouring of grief that must be going on as we speak uh, because the funeral of the three siblings who were killed in that violent attack in Tala at the weekend. Their funeral mass is underway. Started at 10 o'clock. The three white coffins of eight-year-old twins Christy and Chelsea Cawley and their 18-year-old sister Lisa Cash was brought to St. Aidan's Church in Brookfield in Tala last night and they were placed in front of the altar. Seemingly there was large photographs in heart-shaped frames with floral decorations were placed inside the church along with poems and pictures and teddy bears all in their uh, memories and it seems it's quite a small uh, church that only holds about 200 people so I know they have put speakers outside the church because they're expecting a huge, huge uh, crowds at that funeral mass as I say got underway this morning at 10 o'clock so we think of the Cawley and uh, Cash family and may those uh, little children at rest in peace. 0818 103 103 Bernie's taking your calls this morning if there's anything you want to share with us you can text you can WhatsApp to 0852 103 103 Court today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 0818 103 103 Now at 2pm yesterday the first round offers for this year's CAO places were released to the Leaving Cert class of 2022 to offer advice to the students and indeed their parents and guardians I'm once again joined by Roisin Kelleher our career guidance expert Good morning to you Roisin And can I say to you after following our chat last Friday I couldn't get over the number of people that contacted us to say that Roisin Kelleher made so much sense talking last Friday and that people were hoping the Department of Education were listening to you particularly around the things like the inflated points and people getting into college courses that they may not be suitable for so uh, well done a lot of people said Roisin nailed it with what she said (laughs) last Friday so well done now CAO points thank you very much thank you to all those listeners Okay, the CAO points have uh, remained at last year's record high levels Uh, but I was reading the papers today 82% secured one of their top three course preferences for this year's first round offers so that's good news for for the majority It is good news and it would be absolutely wrong to take from that and the achievements that have been there but at the same time just to be careful and to be mindful that very many students actually have if you like they're now propelled onto certain courses that they might not otherwise have got and while that is a huge achievement just research the courses know exactly what you are doing especially on the level 8 courses and there were over 51,000 offers on level 8 I mean throughout the country yesterday and 34,000 on the level 6s and 7s so they have a few days they haven't got many days because it's a much shorter time frame this year because of the repeats and uh, and everything that they had to do with the exams this year but nevertheless they have that and the students the first year students they would not have to start until the 26th of September. Which is later than normal. Yes. To give them a little bit of time. Now all the details about the uh, courses for the first years that will be all mailed to them so not to worry about that or of course that they would get direct contact from the college. It's very important also if they can manage it to attend what they call orientation days. 
orientation days are days where the colleges put on a day uh, for the students, the new students coming in, just to get familiar with the location, familiar with the different, um, you know, the library and the different lecture theatres and all of that. Those are big places. And just to give them that little sense of confidence so that they're able to get going from the get-go when the courses will start on the 26th of September. Now, the existing students are going back next week. Okay. And, of course, there's huge issues about accommodation and travel. I don't have to tell you about that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, all of those sort of situations go on. Now, besides the, the CAO rounds, one offers that have been made available, and we have been very on the helpline. And remember, they can call in to the helpline. It's available right up to next Wednesday, the 14th of September. I have also found if there's issues about their exams and the PMA and all of that, I have found that the SEC, the State Examination Commission, I have found them very helpful, actually. Have you? And I call yeah. them every now and again with an issue, and I have found them very responsive and very helpful in dealing with certain queries. And they've got a very good guide about all of this, about the PMA available, because there have been quite a number of questions. How does this marking work out or what's going to happen? So that's a very good guide that I would suggest to people to to go with that. Now, of course, if a student has not got an offer or they haven't applied for something or some way like that, then, of course, it's very important to say today from 12 o'clock, available and vacant places will become available on the CAO website. Now, these are ones that students themselves must check out and apply for. Okay, They must, yes. So there may be something that um, will be there. I, I have no idea at this stage what will be there. Nobody will know until 12 o'clock. Okay. But check on the CAO website what's available. Now, it's not just a matter of that you can apply for the course and go in irrespective of what your points or your entry requirements. You still have to meet the basic entry requirements for a particular course. Okay. But the points generally wouldn't be that high on those courses. Now, many of those courses, again, just to be mindful, may be private colleges. Private colleges are wonderful as well. But, but they come at the cost. Yeah, there would yeah. be the fees. Yeah, okay, all right. But for some students, they would maybe perhaps pay the fees at a local private college rather than paying, you know, and, and going to another college. It could probably, it might work, it might, yeah. accommodation. It might work out actually uh, cheaper. And, and for those that might have been a bit disappointed with their results and thought they did better, uh, the, when can they start to view the scripts? They can, they can do, well, they can view the scripts this weekend oh, okay. and then they can put, there's an appeal that they can look for a recheck and that has to be done by Monday, next Monday. So they have to be careful about that. Uh, but, and, and then, of course, the acceptance of the offer that they have today. Now, many students may have two offers, of course. They could have level eight, which would be the honours degree programmes, Generally, honours degree programmes are three, four, or can be five years in duration. We would say most of them are about four years in duration. The level sixes are the certificates, which are two years in duration. And the level seven is an ordinary degree, which would be three years in duration. But level six and seven can progress to level eight, if a person wishes, and mm. if they pass their exams, naturally. So they could get two offers. There could be something on level eight, and there could be something on level six and seven. Now, they can only take one. OK, but um, they must accept it by next Wednesday. They must. And, of course, if they get a lower down offer, that is, they have an offer on maybe three or four or an eight, could be ten, that doesn't necessarily mean 
that they may still get an offer at another stage because the offers will continue until mid-October. Okay. Having said that, the offer that you have today will not be repeated. And the offer today, that might be the only offer some students will get. So okay, so just, yeah, so think that. think long and hard and as you say, uh, ensure that you understand and know the course that you are about to undertake. And get help. Now, for some students, they might decide to defer the offer. Well, you see, the problem the, the problem I'm, I'm foreseeing and I know we had some calls in last Friday when the Leaving Cert results came out it's the accommodation issue. I mean, if, you know, I mean, there was one particular family we're talking about, they're from West Cork and yeah. uh, their son is had, had applied for something in Dublin and they said they haven't a hope of getting accommodation in Dublin that if he gets the, if he got it yesterday, they were going to have to defer. Yeah. And that's the reality for, for a lot of students. It's the reality very many people in this country. But this you, so to defer, you contact the college? You can't, you don't, you contact the college directly and you make your arrangements with them and you tell them what that situation is. Okay. Then, of course, the issue is, well, what do you do then in the meantime? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, it. That's, that's it. And by the way, if somebody does defer a place, does that court, does that then get offered to somebody else? Does that? Yes. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. Okay. On the, right. on the second or subsequent round. Okay. Yeah, all, all right. It's, so, it's, so it's long. next Wednesday for for the acceptance, and then for those who are going to wait for round two to see what becomes available if they if they didn't get what they want uh, yesterday. 19, yeah, that will become available on the nineteenth of September. Now, the the timelines are very tight then because you see the colleges are starting as I said on the twenty sixth. So there's very little time in there for the students to check naturally that the course detail is the course detail that they expect and then to start out with regards to the, the cost associated, the accommodation, the travel and all of that very, very important issues uh, with regards to their offers. Now, along with that, it's important to also to say that the post leaving their course colleges are still open and available for their uh, students. Uh, one of them that I was in contact with this morning is the St. John's one, just taking that as an example. The one that is really popular in there is always the veterinary to do with the animal care. And they suggest for the students next year, if they're interested in that particular programme, to start applying early in the spring, right after Christmas. Can you imagine? For because, 2023? because the courses fill up. And let's, yes. not, let's not forget, and I know there's a big push towards this, the apprenticeship programmes. The apprenticeships are very, very popular. But again, to be mindful that the apprenticeships, you must have the sponsors. Mm. So the sponsorship has to be in place. There's a good website. And on the website, there will be contact details down at the bottom. In particular, I'm always talking about the Level 8 programmes available in the the sponsorship scheme. That is the one with the insurance and with the recruitment. These are fantastic opportunities. Uh, Sadly, I think there's a lot of students listening. Our parents seem to be unaware of the fact that you can earn as you learn and the others as well. And And there's jobs at the end of it because we're we're, we're screaming out looking for jobs. Absolutely. So they they will have their level eight courses at the end of those particular programmes. With regard to the points, just briefly with those particular ones here at local level, there are many of the points this year, Patricia, they, they stay the same. Some of them have certainly dropped. Some have gone up, but some are still on the random selection. This is a thing where it's very unfortunate that everybody has got the high points. And yet somebody on those high points, entry requirements, everything met, they still will lose out. Mm. And this is sadly a result somewhat of the PMA, where there's more people getting the high results. 
So there are a few of them in that category again. This year at local level here in UCC, uh, you know, medicine, dentistry, pharmacy, occupational speech therapy and general and children's nursing happen to be in that category. Children's nursing? Gen- general and children's nursing. Wow. Yeah. Even though it did come down, it did come down at points. Yeah. Occupational speech therapy also came down, uh, but they are still on random, which means you, you can get the points and still not get the course. They will not get the course. That's that heartbreaking. A very unfortunate yeah. situation considering the amount of work and effort students have put into it. And people entitled, uh, people who are entitled to a grant, uh, Roshan, is it too? Is, is it still not too late to apply for Susie? Certainly, they can still apply for the Susie grant, which is terrific as well. Uh, interestingly, I, I, I don't know any random selection in MTU, our new university, formerly CIP now MTU called Munster Technological University. One of the courses there, I suppose, is an impact with the environment. It was up by 74 points, environmental science, which shows a great interest in the environment, which is terrific, of course, as well. Okay, all right. And as you say, you are available along with other guidance counsellors at the National Parents Council uh, post-primary. And if people have any, any questions or queries or you're unsure, (laughs) seek the advice. I mean, we we can't emphasise, we really can't emphasise that uh, enough. And the helpline is open today, I take it it is, uh, Roisin? Two o'clock until eight o'clock today, up up to next Wednesday. And of course, the colleges themselves will get huge help as well. So there is help there so just to reassure a person there's no question not important enough to ask. Please ask, get the reassurance and make sure because there's a lot of money involved in these courses. Even the students with the grants, they're still paying a lot of money for this. There's an expectation that they want to achieve what they'd like to do. Many people might try to get employment opportunities, but of course that would depend on the skills that they have. But for very many students, they are looking at higher education, that's level eight, six, seven, or then they're looking at the post leaving star courses, which can give a great foundation and move from that foundation then into higher education the next year. Not every student gets in on that route, but even if they didn't, they get so much learning out of the post leaving star yeah. courses, or they can lead to jobs in their own right as well. The apprenticeship route is terrific as well. The other training courses. And so there's very many great opportunities. There's something there for everyone, I'm always saying it. Listen, Roshan, you're a mine of information as always. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks thanks for joining us. Thanks Thank a million. Bye bye. That is our, our own Roisin Keller, our career guidance expert and that helpline from the National Parents uh, Council Post Primary in association with the guidance uh, councillors available 1-800-265-165 1-800-265-165 in Charleville says if students that lived within the county of the college where they're going to study if they stayed at home and commuted and left the accommodation for students who lived further away the majority of students even have their own car but their excuse is they want to enjoy student life according to Jer in Charleville uh, by WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 Just to give you a traffic update this was to do with the road traffic accidents that ha- happened on the M8 southbound approach to Dunkettle interchange it happened just before 11 and the latest on it is that the eastern half of the Dunkettle interchange roundabout has to temporarily close due to that earlier road traffic accident and traffic is being diverted through Little Island so just to make you aware, if you're heading in that direction, you can expect some delays. Now, taking a look at some of your WhatsApps, calls and texts into the programme on Queen Elizabeth and Marie writes, Patricia, 
your focus on the memory of uh, Queen Elizabeth, uh, may she rest in peace, uh, was beautiful. Thank you for that. Uh, I feel very sad about the death of Her Majesty the Queen. She was a truly lovely lady and her historic visit to Ireland was hugely successful. I took my children to see her and Prince Philip in Cork and we stood with a big crowd on the South Mall to welcome her into the city. In contrast, I was deeply shocked at the Shamrock Rovers matches attendees last night at Tallis Stadium with their horribly offensive song referring to the passing of Queen Elizabeth which is so awful that I don't even want to quote it here. Do they not realise that there's a sorrowful family in mourning today grieving a mother, grandmother and a great-grandmother while our neighbouring nation is coming to terms with the loss of their head of state aka a national treasure. The singing at the Shamrock Rovers match was not done in my name and it does not represent the feelings of the majority of the Irish nation at this time. It was immature, it was cruel. Uh, Anne-Marie says Shamrock Rovers management uh, should issue some kind of an apology. Uh, actually I saw it on social media, it got picked up on social media last night and, and Anne-Marie is right, the majority of people commenting on it were saying, you know, not in my name. This is shocking, you know, on the, the day that this elderly lady uh, passed uh, away. And, you know, let, let's all remember because of that visit that Amory talks about, the visit in uh, 2011, the Queen, I think ever since then, has been warmly remembered across Irish politics and by Irish people. And at that time, if I take you back to 2011, I mean, she made gestures of reconciliation for Britain's past in Ireland during that four day visit and ending in that speech in which she expressed regret for the past uh, conflicts between the uh, two countries and I think uh, because of that she'll always be uh, warmly remembered but yes I saw I I saw it online last night Anne-Marie and I have to agree with you it was uh, truly truly uh, shocking and horrible to think but particularly when you're thinking about you know, the death of a very very elderly uh, lady 0818 103 103 uh, thank you for your WhatsApp now on to cost of living and what's going on with rising prices. Martin in West Cork says, Patricia, those concerned about petrol and diesel cars and burning fossil fuel in their cars. There are people alive at this moment that I estimate that walked to, walked miles through the fields to go to school through the fields, as Alice Taylor would say, to go to school. They cycled miles or they walked miles to go to the local ballrooms of romances or maybe they had to walk or cycle long distances to get to work. They did it in all kinds of weather with no shelter. They didn't have public transport. They didn't have a car. And in many, many times they arrived soaked to their places of work or school. Is the glass half empty or is it the glass half full. You should be lucky to have a glass with something in it. Thanking you, says uh, Martin in uh, in West Cork. And then somebody else was on to us by uh, text uh, to say uh, this is Willie in Middleton. William Middleton says all the indications are that we're heading into another recession but yet every deli that I see says Willie is packed full especially in the morning and between one and two at lunchtime is anybody making a lunch at home anymore Willie is pondering people can be spending up to 10 euro a day at least buying a lunch and then they're the very ones complaining about price hikes Willie by the way says he always brings his own lunch uh, to work so do I Willie I'm, I'm in your camp I always uh, bring my own as well and it's nothing 
do with cost. It's just a kind of a habit that I got into. I, I pack my lunch and, and I bring it with me. Too, too many people go into delis. It's an expensive. You're right. If you're doing it every single day, Monday to Friday, if you're going in and buying your own lunch, certainly much more expensive than making your lunch every day. I would have assumed maybe people go once or twice, you know, maybe if they're busy or they don't have items at home to make the lunch, maybe that's it. I don't know. But anyway, really reckons a lot of people are wasting money. And if we do head into a recession, uh, Willie, that's what will happen. People will start, will, will start look at all of their discretionary spending. I don't know if buying your lunch every day is that discretionary spending. It probably is. But people will look at all things uh, like that if prices continue to rise. And the price of goods and services increased by 8.7% in the year up to the end of August. Cost of food, cost of energy and transport still all driving the surging cost of living. This is the Consumer Price Index. It's out for the year. comes out at the end of, at the start of every month, but it goes up to the end of the previous month and it shows. Now, a slightly lower inflation rate than the previous two months and the prices uh, for the for June and July they stood at the increase was 9.1% so it's down just very slightly to 87 nevertheless prices are still rising for consumers they're up 0.2% on the previous month with inflation still at one of its highest records in almost four decades the central statistics office they're the ones who pour over these figures they say increased energy costs are reflected in the yearly increase of housing water electricity, gas and other fuels. Electricity, don't need to tell you this, it's up 38.1%. Gas is up 56.1%. Home heating oil up a staggering 72.9% on last year and solid fuels up 31%. The annual change in transport costs reflects a rise in the cost of diesel. That's up 34%. Petrol's up 23%. Motor cars are up 11% and airfares up 34% compared to where they were in August of 2021. Now the CSO also published data on the rise in the actual cost of particular items in July and what they did was they compared them to July of 2021 and July of 2022. In the year to July of this year there was price increases in a standard slice pan white slice pan that went up 23 cent. Two litres of full fat milk has gone up 30 six cent and a pound of butter uh, it's gone up 58 cent in the year food in general is up over nine percent over where it was last year uh, bread has gone up nearly 15 percent pasta products uh, nearly 18 uh, percent chicken up over 15 percent and milk cheese and eggs also up just over 15 percent the cso said this is the 11th month in a row that the annual inflation rate is above 5% and prices have been rising on an annual basis since April of 2021. The government obviously now are facing sustained pressure to provide support to all households dealing with the surging cost of living in this month's budget. Has there ever been a more anticipated budget? Earlier this week, of course, we did hear the Environment Minister, Eamon Ryan. He did indicate that households will get another energy credit this winter to help towards the cost of the electricity bill. Remember the 200 euro that they gave back in March. But God, even if you think about it, how different it is. The bills that we paid back in March, how different they are to now. So I don't know if the 200 euro is going to go uh, very far, but there definitely is going to be some kind of an energy credit and we will get that before Christmas. Activists have also been calling for increases to core social welfare 
uh, rates that's to help the real struggling fam- families who live on social uh, welfare with many citing the difficult choices facing people in recent times I mean choices such as do I pay for heating do I pay my rent or do I pay for food and Energia of course they became the latest to raise their prices on Wednesday all major energy companies now serving Irish homes with price hikes all arriving they'll all be starting to come in in the coming weeks most of them kick in I think around the 1st of October and the inflation rates by the way for energy in the CSO figures that I just gave you they don't reflect the recent increases in energy because they don't kick in until next uh, month. So that's a bit of a worry. Households have been warned that further hikes for energy firms are likely before the end of the year. So even though we're all coming to terms with these really, really high uh, energy costs and they're going to go up again in October with people thinking, is that the end of it? The indications are that it may not be the end of it and there may be another increase by the end of uh, the year with obviously that then is leading to the government being urged to provide uh, supports, particularly to support those that are hardest hit by all of these uh, rises. 0818103103. Bernie's taking your calls. So you can text or WhatsApp to 08. 102-103. C103 Jobs. Now, Big Man Modular, they are a company based in Bandon. They're hiring an operations manager. You need to email your interest, please, to info at bigmanmodular.com. Big Full time butcher is wanted for Lucy's Butcher. That's in Mallow. Email ianlucy2000 at gmail.com. Avonmore Electrical have a vacancy for a manual precision turner slash machinist. You email breed at avonmore slash electrical.com and the closing date is Friday the 23rd of September. Springford Hall in Mallow are recruiting for a front desk receptionist. Now full and part-time positions are available. Full training will be provided. You can email marcella at springford-hall.com or you can call her at 86 You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by simply going online now. You go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. Now, teenagers whose parents are smokers are 55% more likely to try e-cigarettes, according to new research that has been presented this week at uh, the European Respiratory Society's International Congress, which is going on in Barcelona. Actually, joining me from the conference is Professor Luke uh, Clancy of the Tobacco Free Research Institute of Ireland. Good morning to you, Luke. Good morning. And thank you for taking time out, um, especially when you're overseas. We appreciate it. I'm assume- no problem. I'm assuming the weather is a bit better in Barcelona than the rain we've had here. Well, I suppose it could be described as that, but I'm not so sure because it's very hot. Is it? <laughs> we complain no matter where we are, don't we? <laughs> we're, ne- we're, we're never happy, are we, when it comes to the weather? Okay. Not at all. Now, I want to look at your research. From your research, did it show that teenagers were non-smokers before they took up vaping? Yeah, we found that two-thirds of the people who used e-cigarettes had never smoked when they had their first e-cigarette. So, And only a third, therefore, had ever tried a cigarette when they started on e-cigarettes. So there's more vaping than smoking? Uh, there is, 
but that's it's slightly different. But there there is uh, definitely more vaping than smoking. But it's just the fact that you know early on people were saying, oh, the only people who use e-cigarettes are smokers. Yeah, and that may be true with adults, but in children we found that they had two thirds of them had never touched a cigarette when they first started on e-cigarettes. And as you say, um, nearly half of the boys have tried e-cigarettes and something like 33% of the girls. Now, at the moment, boys are more likely to use e-cigarettes than girls. But of interest is we found that the rate of picking it up or taking it up was higher in girls than boys. So they're trying to catch up, as it were. And if we know from cigarettes in the past in Ireland, uh, girls used to smoke more than boys. Uh, It's about the same now. And we found that we've been monitoring this now since uh, 1995. We found at that time cigarettes in boys or in girls were 45% of them were smoking cigarettes and 37 about in boys. And then gradually, we did it every four years. And in 2015, both boys and girls were down to 13%. And when we looked at that again in 19, the decline has stopped. And in fact, there's a slight increase. Boys are up to about uh, 16% and girls, very little change, still between 13 and 14%. So the decline has halted and we're worried that uh, it will increase again. And as you were suggesting in your figure there, um, if you use e-cigarettes, you're more likely to smoke. And we found that it was nearly twice as much, uh, twice as likely to smoke. Uh, yeah, and I suppose that one, yeah, and I suppose the real danger with e-cigarettes, they do contain nicotine. So what happens is, without even realising, somebody's going to get addicted to nicotine. Absolutely. Uh, that's a big problem. And that's why we're worried about it in the context of Uh, restarting smoking. And the other side of that is that when you see the vapour or aerosol as it technically is, uh, if you're at a distance, you don't know what's going on. And in Ireland, as you know, smoke-free was a big thing in getting the denormalisation of smoking altogether. And now we're afraid that if the optics are such that you can see this again, that it might renormalise and people take it more as being more normal. And also there was less emphasis on not using e-cigarettes indoors. In fact, some people thought that was ideal. They could use cigarettes outside, e-cigarettes inside. And, of course, apart from the inhaling the particles that are in e-cigarettes, they're not smoke, we know that, and it's probably not the same. It is not the same, but it doesn't mean that it's harmless. It does cause some harm. And when they're directly used... um, there's a, like, a possibility of uh, direct lung damage. And they found this to be a very serious problem in the United States. But it's a bit complicated there because a lot of it has been associated with using cannabis instead of the uh, e-liquids here. But apart from that, it, everywhere, there's a tendency now for the industry to try and add flavours. And of course, these flavours are strawberries and vanilla and so on, things that children like. And they'll still say, oh, we're not trying to promote these for children. And yet they're using flavours that we know children like. And then the children will take it for the flavour and get the nicotine. But also in these flavours, 
they're pretty harmless uh, substances, uh, you know, strawberries and so on. When they're eaten or ingested, your stomach can deal with them. But when you inhale these into your lungs, there's potential damage there. So that they, even the flavours, which are benign in themselves, may cause lung damage, as well as the addiction, as well as the possibility of uh, vaping causing uh, lung damage as well. And so for, for, one and way for, or another, we find no good in them. Yeah, and for, for parents um, and indeed teachers, there's no obvious smell, you know, as opposed to if somebody lights up a cigarette, you can clearly smell the cigarette. It's hard for parents or even teachers to tell if somebody's vaping. Yes, detection is hard. But in fact, when we look at educational status of parents and so on, we find that the parent, the children of highly educated people in third level are more likely to use uh, e-cigarettes. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Uh, than uh, the, uh, children of poorly educated. Now, that suggests that the educated people are either encouraging or not discouraging their children. And I think this was based on the fact that when e-cigarettes were new, there was a kind of a notion that because they could be used by some people to stop smoking, that they were a good in themselves or at least no harm. So that was, as you suggest, neglecting to think about the addiction that they cause, but also the direct harm. Now, it, that's the point we're making in one of our uh, presentations here, is that there's an opportunity to reinform people and that 
here's these highly educated people and they still are not discouraging their children or they may even be encouraging them or at least turning a blind eye. I agree with you that they don't smell like smoke, but some of the flavours have distinct smells. But I think there was a attitude that, uh, well, they're not bad for them anyway, and they probably are. And why yeah, are but, we selling but, addictive products to our children? But do, do you accept that e-cigarettes have and can help smokers kick the habit? Uh, they can, uh, but there's a lot of other things, you know, like NRT and Verenda Clinton and uh, Alan Carr. There's lots of ways, and it's one of the ways. But it's not. that's not why the children are using them. In fact, when we asked them about that, only 3% of children said that's why they were using e-cigarettes to stop smoking. Yeah, because when so they, were, they weren't it. smoking beforehand, yeah. And no, it, it, is peer yeah. pressure... But even smokers, even, sorry, even... Exactly, I come to that, but even smokers were not using them to stop smoking in children. Oh, okay. um, yeah, yet, as regards uh, peers, very important. Uh, when we asked them uh, what influenced them to use them, peer smoking was a very common thing. About a third of them said because of they saw peers. And we feel that they saw the peers not, and it, they have found this elsewhere as well, that it's not necessary that they're with them. Quite often they're getting little TikTok messages showing them vaping and doing tricks with them. And this is influencing them. And, of course, we suspect that these are influencers being paid by the industry to affect children and get them to use them. So that's that's something we haven't investigated yet in Ireland. In fact, we're looking for money to try and look at the social media promotion of e-cigarettes, particularly to children. Yeah, and, and, and I know I've, that will be significant. I've I've done interviews with the past, particularly the disposable um, vape, the, the the and they're all brightly coloured and whatever. They they're plastic. The damage they're doing to the environment because when they're used up and all the vapes gone out of them, people are just throwing them away and they're they're ending up in the waterways, they're ending up in our streets. There's an environmental aspect to them. Yes, you're absolutely right, and they're not biodegradable. And this is a new source of pollution. And of course, the nicotine is coming out of tobacco and that's harming the environment in terms of the lands that are being cleared to grow tobacco. So no matter, you know, there's a big pollution and environmental aspect to smoking and to e-cigarettes. And as you say, there's also this idea that uh, they're disposable and they certainly are. But I mean, with cigarettes, you're throwing away butts as well. Uh, but in the in the e-cigarettes, you know, our young people are very environmentally sensitive, we think, but they have no problem with throwing away I know, I know. e-cigarettes Actually, and just containers. And, and, on, and on the cigarette butts, only this week I had the Irish Business Against Litter uh, join us on the programme and, and we're thinking of um, uh, Tom Cavanagh, sadly passed away uh, yesterday, who started uh, the Irish Business Against Litter. But we, we focused on it this week because of the report that's out about our beaches and our waterways and the most commonly found I- item was uh, cigarette butts. It's interesting that you're joining us in Barcelona because I remember reading in the summer in Spain, they were trying to stop ban cigarette smoking on beaches. Yes, they have. A lot of beaches have banned it. And in America, some have. And here, uh, uh, James Riley tried to get it done. Uh, but he had a lot of opposition. But it's terrible to see the butts all over the place. And these are a big environmental. I mean, I could give you astronomical numbers to the number of uh, butts that are thrown away and the terrible effect they're having on the environment. And worse still, 
you know, people are very well aware of this and they, they're trying to get something done about it. But in one place in France, they brought in a law which says you can't throw them away. But if you do, that the um, industry is responsible for cleaning it up. And the industry embraced this. They were delighted because they then said how socially responsible they were. And they got competitions to show who took part in it. And, you know, they are the pariahs of the industries, of all industries, because half their product kills half of the people who use them. But now this is, they find this as a way of rehabilitating themselves. So it's very important that they are cleaned up. It's very important that the industry pays for that. But they shouldn't be allowed to do it. And they should have not, you know, in case Ireland does take down and they are in no hurry to do so. But if they do, it's very important not to let the industry do it themselves. Just charge them. OK, all right. Listen, a worrying news, certainly on the vaping with the uh, young people. Uh, Luke, listen, we leave it there and we thank you for taking time out uh, to join us and talk to us this You're morning. You're very welcome. Good morning to you. Thank that you. is uh, Professor Luke Clancy of the Tobacco Free Research Institute of Ireland. As I say, he joins us from uh, Barcelona, where he is attending that uh, conference. 0818 103 103. Bernie's taking your calls. Texts and WhatsApps are available at 0862 103 103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. Now, the Environmental Protection Agency recently launched the Clean Air Together Cork Citizens Science Project and are currently looking for one thousand Cork citizens to register to help them measure air quality. To find out more uh, about what is involved, I'm joined by EPA senior scientist, and that is David Fenton. Good morning to you, David. Hiya Patricia, how's it going? And, Good it's, and it's great to speak to you. It was only when your name popped up uh, yesterday, I said that's got to be the one David Fenton that we used to always speak to on the issue of uh, radon gas. And, and, and I remember early in the summer, you published an updated map for the entire uh, country. Uh, we, we still need to remind people to test for radon gas, don't we? Oh, we do, Patricia. You have a super memory. Yeah, absolutely we do. Yeah, no, because I've, I've spoken to you many times about radon gas and uh, what people need to do to protect themselves against it. Um, but I'll talk about nitrogen dioxide in a minute, but to finish off with the, the radon gas, yeah, we've published new maps and um, you go onto radon.ie, you can see what the radon risk is in the area and Cork and North Cork in particular would, 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 really, would really need to be pay heed to that and, and to test for radon because it's something... It doesn't go away, but, but you need to test for it and, and keep an eye on it for sure, Patricia. Yeah, and particularly no, if you've had any work done on your house. Oh, definitely, yeah. I, I, that could alter the ventilation patterns in your house. Um, you, you could introduce new new uh, entry routes for radon or you could actually block up old uh, escape routes for radon. So just test for it. The neat thing to do, go on to radon.ie and you can see our maps and you can see what the risk is and where you stand in relation to the to the gas in, in the county. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's, a very sim- it's a very simple thing uh, to do. OK, now, we want to talk about what you're looking for from um, citizens in, in Cork City. Are there particular areas of the city that you're looking for householders to sign up? Yeah, there is, Patricia. Yeah, no, we'll we talk about another pollutant now is, the, is nitrogen dioxide, which is the main uh, pollutant which comes from traffic. And if you like, it's for that reason that we're looking at, say, highly trafficked areas. And that's why we're looking at the city. And we launched this project a few weeks back whereby we're asking people in Cork City, looking for a thousand people in Cork City to become citizen scientists, if you like, to measure this nitrogen dioxide in their area. 
and we've had a very good response. We've had nearly up to 800 people now have, have come back to us uh, with, with uh, having signed up to it. They got onto our website, cleanairtogether.ie, and there they were able to sign up to it and the, and the tubes would be issued to them in a couple of weeks. Now, the, the measure nitrogen dioxide, it's really straightforward. What's going to happen is you sign up for the project on cleanairtogether.ie, and a tube for measuring nitrogen dioxide is about the size of a crayon would be posted out to you with, it, with uh, instructions on how to use it. And there you just place it outside your window and that leave it there for a month and that'll uh, measure the nitrogen dioxide in your area. Now, we've had a great response. However, we do need, uh, I was hoping they get a good response from all around the city, not just from certain parts. So there are some parts of the city that I'd love to hear hear people from to participate in the project, and particularly in the north side, north part of the city, like around in Blackpool, Knocknaheeny, Gornabrahar, the hills, Fair Hill, sorry, the Glen and Fair Hill. The area, general area of White Church, like if if people there, like if you know, if they can just sign up to it, we'd, we'd be delighted. And, and literally, all you have to do is leave this tube outside your house for a month, and then what you post it, you don't have to, you don't have to do anything with it while it's there for the month. No, you don't. You just leave it there. It it it, it it's like that. You just stick it outside your, your window. Leave it out. Leave it there for a month, uh, and then post it back to us. And we'll be giving you instructions what to do with it. And there's no charge for this now. Uh, what we want to do is find out what the levels of nitrogen dioxide is across the city, not just in large pockets, but across the city. And that will help us with our modelling in order to inform policy uh, with Cork City Council as regards to what they can do uh, to, to protect themselves from nitrogen dioxide and implement the, the, Cork, the, the, the clean air strategy in Cork. So, no, if people can do it, it, it it'd be great. It's such a simple thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and, and you're, you're doing your bit for your local community and your city. You are. I know you are. You are. And and also, like people can get involved. It's such a powerful thing because we can we can find out much more data by getting people to measure in their areas uh, than we can say from our own monitoring sites that are there around the city. Having a thousand extra measurements would, would really help us. So particularly in the north part of the city, Blackpool, Knocknaheeny, uh, the Glen, Fairhill, and also the parts of the south as well, Bishopstown, Turner's Cross, Tutter as well. We'd love to hear from residents in those areas And too. it's cleanairtogether.ie is where you Cleanair sign Cleanairtogether.ie. You, exactly. you ran a similar project in, in Dublin, didn't you? Was that successful? Oh, yes, we did. Yeah, we did. Um, and we had a huge response in Dublin. Uh, and the, the, the idea was spreading it across. We started in Dublin, really, to try and get a, a good picture of what it is in Dublin. And we got a very good response there. In fact, it was oversubscribed, Patricia. We were looking for 1,000 and we had 2,500 people. We had to turn people away, unfortunately. But we did get a good spread. And that really, and because what we learned in Dublin, we said we need to go to Cork with this and, and the other centres as well and see, can we get a similar type of good picture? And, you know, particularly... You know what it what it would do is it builds up a picture around during the major traffic roads. Like if you're living around the N20 or the old like the Blarney Road or uh, sorry the N20 and those areas, uh, the old Mallow Road, up around the North Ring Road as well. Like you know like because like there's one thing sort of having an idea that the, the levels of nitrogen dioxide would be high. There's another thing we actually have data for it and measurements and that has been very powerful. So we'd urge people to go to cleanairtogether.ie, particularly if you're in those parts of the city. Uh, yeah, and the and the, the the deadline's running out, isn't it? Because you, you need to try and get everybody signed up at the one time so that you can get everybody starting to yeah. do the measurements at the one time. Exactly, Patricia. Yeah, thanks for saying that. No, we we have um the deadline now is up until the next Wednesday, and we have two hundred slots left, if you like, you know, okay. that, that we want to get, and we want to target. You want to use those two hundred slots, at those two hundred tubes now to the, to maximise the. To build up the complete picture of what the what the levels are in, in the city, so like you know, if, if people can help us 
that would be terrific. We'd be able to then be able to measure the nitrogen dioxide over the month of October. People then can post it back to us. And then next year, we'll be able to have a, a, a map of Cork, if you like, that will show the, everybody's results together with everybody else in, in the city. And you can you can see what what the levels are, and, okay. and it'll it'll describe and, them. And you know, we constantly hear that figure of of one thousand four hundred lives are lost uh, every year due to uh, air pollution, and obviously this is this is one one part of it. But with oil and gas prices uh, rising, David, are you fearful that more and more families are going to start turning to burning wood and fossil fuels, uh, and that's yeah. going to result then in poor air quality? That could happen, all right, Joe. Yeah. You know, clearly there, there might be a temptation to do that. We would hope people wouldn't do that, like because, I mean, as you go, as you walk around the city uh, or the town, even like if people are burning um, uh, smoky fuel, you can smell it. Like even if, if you're going around the place, like you, you can, you might come back after, especially if it's a foggy evening. Anyway, it would make it much worse, and there would be a sort of a fear that people might do that, but they really don't do it. You know, because if you can avoid it at all you are going to do damage to yourself and to your neighbours as well. It will make a difference uh, to the city if, if you just didn't uh, burn those types of fuels and try and stick to the, the clean, the, 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 um, the, the cleaner the cleaner fuels, the, the non-smoky fuels, exactly. Yeah, you know, well, yeah but it's that whole argument but, of heat versus yeah. health. And, and I know the government are... Uh, doing their best to try to and we wait and see what comes out in the next budget but anyway cleanairtogether.ie please sign up uh, particularly if any of the areas that David mentioned listen David it's always a pleasure to to speak with you uh, thanks a million for joining us today cheers Patricia no, good morning to you bye bye that is David Fenton who is with the EPA and he is a senior uh, scientist 0818 103 103 and I've just had a statement in from Cork Kerry Community Healthcare in relation to the Together at the Castle event that we spoke about on the programme. This is the one that's the partnership with Mallow Chamber of Commerce, the County Council, Sea Change and uh, Shine. And unfortunately, it was due to be held this coming Sunday. They have now decided to reschedule the event to the following Sunday, the 18th of September. Now, it'll be the same time and everything that was planned for next Sunday will happen the following week, the 18th of September between 1 and 5 and the reason for it is uh, the adverse weather conditions that are forecast for Sunday along with public uh, safety concerns and actually when we spoke about it on the programme we did mention that because it's obviously it's an outdoor event the fact that it's held on the grounds of Mallow Castle and we were hopeful you know if it was going to be a wet day that it wouldn't be too uh, wet but obviously the forecast is pretty pretty bad for next Sunday so they've done I think they've done the sensible thing and they've rescheduled it to the following Sunday the 18th of uh, September Um, uh, Martin Ryan who joined us on the programme he's the HSC Resource Officer for Suicide Prevention in Cork Uh, he said look they want people to enjoy the event in comfort including a lot of planned events that they have that are are outdoor events so they've they made this uh, decision in the best interest of the public so if you were planning on going along two together at the castle in Mallow next Sunday cross it off for next Sunday and mark it in the calendar for the following week Sunday September 18th 0818 103 103 Bernie's taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 the way if you are a Garth Brooks 
fan. Uh, the excitement is really starting to mount. I know he had a press conference yesterday in Dublin and I saw a little bit of it uh, on the news and you could see the excitement. He's nervous. He's but he's more than anything else. He is just really, really excited ahead of these five gigs in Croke Park that a lot of Garth Brooks fans will say they have waited so many years for them. And of course, the first gig gets underway tonight and uh, we'll uh, be looking at the Garth Brooks concerts if you are going along to the do's and don'ts and what you need to uh, remember and talking a little bit about Garth and we might even slip in a Garth Brooks tune for all the fans out there. 400,000 people will be attending over the five nights. It's incredible. He really has a massive, massive fan base uh, in this country. Well, let me take a look at some of your comments coming into the programme uh, this morning. Now, listen to this and I'm wondering, can other families identify with this particular mum's dilemma. Hi, I have three children in a country school. It's about 10 kilometres from my house. They have three different pick-up times. One is in junior infants, one is in sixth class and one has just headed into secondary school which happens to be near to the primary school. Their finish times are the youngest one comes out in the afternoon at 1.40. Middle child gets out at 2.40 and then the oldest child in secondary school gets out an hour later at 3.40. I'm on the road a lot because of these different closing times at the schools. Cost of fuel is significantly adding to the cost of school return this year. In other countries, including Australia, where we've just come back from, where I know their education system well, all children finish at the same time, that time being three o'clock in the afternoon. So you collect them all around the same time. Could the government with the Department of Education not streamline this more to get cars like mine off the road as much as possible? The bus I know would be great but unfortunately not an option for our family and God knows don't talk about the school bus don't mention the war because it's not an option for a lot of families uh, this year. But but you know this listener is right with the cost of I only mentioned when I was doing the consumer price index from the CSO and the latest figures out showing, you know, the cost of living and showing how everything is going up, uh, you know, year on year. The cost of diesel has gone up um, nearly 35% and uh, petrol has gone up uh, nearly 24% year on year. So that's adding to the cost. I don't know if this listener has a diesel or a petrol car, but you can just see how the costs are accumulating all of the time. But I'm wondering, it's just the whole inconvenience of it as well. Having a child, one child finishing at 20 to 2, next child finishes at 20 to 3 and the last child finishes at, at 20 to 4. I mean, that just really is a nightmare when none of them are in a position because it's 10 kilometres away from the school. So it's not a case that any of the children, even the older child, might be able to walk or uh, cycle. And I'm sure that this family are not on their own and there's other families in the same situation. I mean, there's always a difference between when the primary school closes and the secondary school uh, closes. Would we be better off having a system where all the children go to school at the same time like everybody opens at nine in the morning even though I know I'll have people saying you'll have too much traffic on the road all at the one time but they generally speaking start around the same time don't they should we be looking at a standardised finishing time we, there was a lot of work put into standardising the holidays remember a number of years ago midterm breaks used to be at all different times and working parents in particular it used to be an absolute nightmare they could have children in one school off one week uh, of which they'd have to get child care for them and then the following week they might the, the other school down the road would be closing and the other child was going to that school so the Department of Education did a lot of work to standardise the school 
opening hours. So like we all have the same midterm in all the schools, the same midterm in October, Christmas holidays, Easter holidays all run roughly the same. Uh, now, there's a bit of flexibility around the first day back and when the school closes, there's a bit of flexibility about it. But overall, there's a standardisation of the, the different holidays throughout the school year. Should we also now be looking at standardising the closing times of schools and that all the children should close at the same time. Your thoughts welcomed on that. 0818103103 or you can text our WhatsApp. And here's a parent with a dilemma on the other end of the scale. This is to do with a child who is in college. Hi, I just want to know if anybody can help me with this, please. My daughter did her first year in college last year. She now wants to change course, but will have to start first year again. She was getting the Susie grant last year, but now this year she's discovered she's not entitled to it as she has to repeat first year on a different course. We now find ourselves in the dilemma that we can't afford the cost if she doesn't get the Susie grant. She is, by the way, going to be attending the same uh, college. Is there anywhere I can go for help? Ah, you're in a bit of a pickle, I can tell you that. I would suggest that maybe you ring that number that we called out earlier. The guidance counsellors, Roisin Keller is one of the guidance counsellors working at that particular helpline on behalf of the National Parents uh, Council because they do offer advice on the Susie Grant 1-800-265-165, 1-800-265-165. But I do know there's very strict criteria around the Susie Grant and I know a friend of mine last year was in the very, very same situation that your, you and your family and your daughter finds themselves in, in that her daughter wanted to move uh, to another course and she lost out on the Susie Grant for that year of the repeat year for first year. And my friend had to had to come up with the money, get a loan and come up with the money to fund the year at college. The only thing is the Susie Grant will, will kick back in for the second year of her new uh, course. I don't know. I honestly don't know if there's any way around it. Maybe there is, if anybody can offer advice. But in the meantime, if anybody knows, certainly the guidance counsellors will, if you want to give them a call, one 165 because you really are finding your daughter and the whole family finding themselves in a the right dilemma if you can't afford to pay the cost because it is it is expensive it is any family listening that has a son or daughter going into college for the first time or already in college uh, will tell you how expensive uh, it is Hi uh, Patricia you spoke yesterday about heart issues with regard to women and the amount of heart issues that go undetected this is Massey if the HSE spent just 1% or a half of 1% of their 24 billion euro HSE budget every year. It's a staggering amount of money, isn't it? If they spent one or even one percent or even a half a percent on heart scanners to detect heart issues and diseases. The heart scanners, according to Massey, cost approximately one million euro each. Half of one percent of the HSE budget would be a hundred and twenty million. And you could buy approximately a hundred of these heart scanners and then go out and scan women and men for preventative check medicine. Is preventative not better than cure, says Massey, where we're always hearing that it is a better uh, it's better to prevent um, and certainly if you can get people already and that's the one thing that when we spoke yesterday with the Irish Heart Foundation is trying to detect heart disease and the, the chance of a stroke trying to detect it early just on a health issue something I spotted today that certainly would worry me that was in the papers and this is our reliance on, in this country on nurses from abroad coming into this country to work did you know that nearly one in every two nurses registered here 
were not educated here. They were educated abroad. So there are nurses coming from overseas. And that's despite the creation of more third level places in recent years for people who want to enter the profession of nursing. A Department of Health report published yesterday shows 43% of all nurses registered in Ireland graduated overseas. Now, there will be a small proportion of those will be Irish nurses who couldn't get into nursing here and went overseas, but the majority of of them are from other uh, countries. The report warns that the present reliance on overseas nurses presents risks to the future of the health system. And it also, weirdly enough, creates ethical questions around recruiting people from countries where they have their own staffing needs. Ireland currently produces 31 nurses per 100,000 of the population annually. But that would need to be increased significantly in the future to levels such as they have in Australia. They have 109 new nurses per 100,000 trained every year compared to 31 for us here in this country. And last year, nurses from India accounted for more than 2,500 registrations after the, out of just over 5,000 new entrants. So India seems to be the main country where our nurses are, are coming from. Now, we have increased the number of nurses and nursing places. Like, for example, over a seven-year period from 2014 to 2021, the numbers every year went from 1,520 in 2014 and they went to 2,032. So they went up by 500 over that seven-year period. But it obviously isn't enough if 43% of the nurses here are registered from overseas. We need to be training more nurses and then you add to that, besides training them, we need to hang on to them because how many of our young nurses as soon as they graduate get on a plane or a boat and they emigrate so we need to look at that as well how many of our nurses we're actually losing every year 0818 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing community and business supports all across the county see corkcoco.ie A 10 week course of bridge classes for beginners that'll start tonight in the Munster Arms Hotel it's on between 7 and 9pm more information if you'd like to register call 087 7832336 Bingo is going ahead in Mallow GAA Complex tonight 815 Jackpot 2700 Court McSherry Songs and Stories commences uh, tonight and runs right across this weekend tickets are available for the concert at uh, the concert tomorrow night by contacting 023 8840 and full details are available on their Facebook page which is Court McSherry Songs and Stories by the Sea. And Kildarory Bingo, that goes ahead in the Old Store Creamery Yard tonight with the option to play inside or you can remain in your car. It, uh, doors open at 6 uh, this evening. And Su- Charleville Suicide Awareness Group, they will hold a remembrance evening for Suicide Awareness Day and they're holding it tomorrow. It starts at the Charleville Town Park at half past six and then they will go on to the plaza. And Yall Pride by the Sea, that will take place tomorrow, Saturday and it's at the Clay Castle Beach in Yall. And a fundraising Kaylee in aid of the Irish Motor Neuron Disease Association and the Mercy Hospital Foundation will be held in the Abbey Hall in Ballyvorney tomorrow. Dancing is from 9.30. You're invited to come along and enjoy a fantastic night of music, crack dancing and have support to great causes. 
Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. Now, some of your texts uh, coming in. This is just in from Michael, says Patricia. How are you? Yes, we are extremely reliant on overseas nurses coming from India and the Philippines and indeed for doctors as well coming from many, many different countries. We train many of both who just leave once qualified to get away from what I see is a broken system. Surely we need to try to get to a situation where it's attractive for our graduates to work here. By the way, the majority of the foreign nurses are doing fantastic work and are extremely caring. Absolutely, nobody will take from those. But there's also the other ethical issue that I mentioned. Are we taking them from countries where they are needed in their own countries as well? There's always that ethical uh, issue around it. But yeah, we do need to look at the system. If it's broken, we need to uh, fix it. And then on, should all schools close at the same time? Because at the moment was on to us three different pickup times for her three children, 20 to 2, 20 to 3, 20 to 4. She's on the road constantly because she's 10 kilometres from uh, her children's school. Why can't all education be done online, says this texter. In fairness, you can't have all the schools closing together. The traffic is bad enough with the schools. That would make it total mayhem. What about deliveries and large truck, trucks working? People trying to make a living and trying, people trying to make a living and trying to get from one place to another in time without without adding traffic mayhem with all schools closing at the same time. In in fairness, they're only really paying through the nose. They are also really paying through the nose for petrol and diesel. Well, why can't you have all children educated online? What about children need to go to school to socialise? I mean, we did it during the pandemic for sure, but uh, it's been proven by child psychologists that wasn't the best thing for children. Children need to go into the classroom and they need to learn with their peers and they need to make friendships. There's a lot more to school, to going into school than just uh, an education. So I don't think sending all the children home and having everybody online uh, would work. Hi, Patricia. Listening to your suggestion that all schools should close at the same time, do you consider that a five-year-old junior infant pupil would be able for the same length of day as, say, an 18-year-old leaving cert pupil? The different length of day isn't arranged just to be awkward to parents. It is, in fact, structured to cater for the different needs of the different age groups. Hence, you've got the junior infant coming out at 20 to 2 and you'll have somebody in Leaving Cert coming out at 20 to 4. 0818 Now, I can't let the day go without talking about Garth Brooks. And actually, when I mentioned Garth, John says, Patricia, good luck to all of the people heading off to see Garth Brooks. I'm not a fan, but even if I was, I don't really know if I could afford to go. Would €1,000 cover the cost of a night in a hotel in Dublin, the ticket and all of the other incidental expenses? The hotels are price gouging people and the more people that pay these prices are encouraging more overcharging. That's from John, who admits he's not a Garth Brook fan. And the five Garth Brook concerts in Ireland are being described as an extravaganza. But they are warning attendees, prepare for your journey to and from the Dublin venue. And of course, the promoter is Aiken Promotions. And they were explaining that the set and the stage that's been designed for the Irish uh, concerts have been assembled by specialists who've flown over from America. Uh, The equipment, a lot of which has had to come directly from America because this is a one-off stage. It's not part of any other established tour. So everything that they're doing, they're doing for the first time and the stage and the lighting and the setting has been designed for Croke Park. He will play five gigs, the first of which is on tonight. Around 400,000 people are 
expected to attend over the five nights. Uh, all of the counties of Ireland are represented and at least 5% of the ticket holders are coming from outside Ireland. There's a number of Americans I saw on the news last night have travelled with a, co- with a few of them coming. They've bought tickets to all five gigs. Now they are Garth Brooks fans. Croke Park, normally, I saw this stature in the week, normally when there is a concert on in Croke Park, it would attract between 40 and 50% of people from you know, the greater Dublin area, people who you know don't have to worry about accommodation or even uh, commuting. But in this case, they reckon only 15% of the tickets have been purchased in the greater Dublin area. So the rest are represented from all of the other counties in Ireland. And due to the large numbers attending, organisers are warning people, plan your journey to and from uh, the venue as there's only one car park close to the venue that car park only holds 400 cars and obviously there's going to be very strict traffic restrictions in place. Also please note if you're bringing any if any young fans going that children under 14 are not allowed onto the standing pitch area so make sure you've got a seated ticket for them. If you're bringing a bag with you it has to be less than the size of an A4 sheet of paper and be prepared bags will be searched on the way into the venue. And the other one this made me smile. Attendees are asked to please please double check the date on your ticket and to make sure that you turn up on the right night. Whenever any artist plays a number of nights, they inevitably will be people who turn up and they got the date wrong and they're there on the wrong day. So please double check that. The show starts at half seven and the gates will open for each of the five nights, including tonight at uh, five o'clock. And by the way, when I say the show starts at uh, 7.30, it does start. It's He comes on stage at 7.30. There's no warm-up act and uh, he so he comes on stage, people, he really and he's got to be gone by half ten. So he'll be on stage on the button at half past uh, seven and concert goers are asked, please, please be mindful of the residents and to be respectful because anyone who's been to Crook Park will know it is in a residential area of uh, Dublin. And I saw part of. He gave a kind of an intimate press briefing last night. There wasn't a huge, or yesterday afternoon, there wasn't a huge uh, number asked uh, to attend. But I I, I saw a little bit of it from uh, yesterday and he is just in such fantastic form and you can see he's just loving life he's absolutely adoring being in Ireland he did admit though that he's brimming with nerves Uh, he spoke of his affection for his fans he also spoke about his gorgeous wife Trisha Yearwood and actually when we spoke to him a couple of months ago he was talking about his gorgeous wife uh, Trisha Yearwood as well I remember he kept referring to me as as Miss Patricia Uh, because he's just the man is just uh, so respectful and, and they're actually planning planning on having a little bit of a honeymoon when all of the concerts are over. And we know, of course, he's staying in uh, Kerry and he'll be flying up and down to Dublin. Uh, Nobody knows for sure yet where there's been lots of rumour and speculation as to where he's actually staying, but I don't think anyone got uh, a definite on where he's staying. But there is a lot of rumour and speculation as to where he is uh, staying. But he's going to fly up and down to Dublin for the five uh, different gigs. Maybe he couldn't get hotel accommodation. Maybe it was all uh, booked out. Now, he was asked about the cancellation of the five gigs in 2014 that will never be uh, forgotten but he said and this I quote he said this is my take on 2014 everybody was victims of the debacle and now we are getting to see each other it was supposed to start the comeback tour I'm not here he said because of 2014 I'm here because of the 90s I'm here because of the point and there will be people who will remember that brilliant concert in the point he said you can say you're an entertainer but you haven't entertained until you've entertained the Irish. Here's a lovely response to the moment
mum who was struggling with all the different pick-up times. Well, she's come from Australia where all the schools used to close at three. Suddenly discovering all of her three children have a different pick-up time in the evening. Hi, Patricia. I was like that parent with three children coming out of school at three different times. And if there was school training, I'd be stuck in the car for hours. It almost became like my second home. I'd bring a lunch, a lunch for the first child out of school. It became known as dashboard dining. We do the homework in the car and it was actually quality time, especially with the first child out from school. No distractions and he couldn't escape from doing his homework. I'd bring his home clothes, pull out the buggy for the baby and we'll go for a walk to pass away some of the time. It was very difficult, but you get into a routine going and learning patience and you couldn't be up and down the road. That is absolute madness. It was easier to bring my crochet and the crayon markers for the youngest. Also teach him a bit of discipline. Please don't read out my name as I'd be mortal. There are a lot of other mammies in the same situation. So the, the mother back from Australia will just get into the swing of things, I think is what that message is. Thank you for that lovely uh, WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. And Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, uh, joins us on this Friday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. Uh, now, you went along, as promised last week, to see Michael Flatley's new movie, directed, written and starring Michael Flatley. It's called Blackbird. And you also uh, took a look at the new Disney movie, uh, Pinocchio. OK, we've got a quick trailer from uh, Blackbird. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm playing this out, Mark. You're on the same fader, so don't be... Uh, mind your language just in case because you're going to be live when this trailer is playing <laughs> out okay, so just in case just in case okay here's a trailer from Blackbird the Blackbird is dead you're the only one who can stop this we've got to come back and fight when are we going to get past this I'll never get past this Just hide from the world. Victor Blackley. I believe you have something in mind. Who I am is none of your concern. And what I do is out of your control. Bless me, Father. For I have sinned. And I'm about to sin again. That's going to go down as the classic line from this uh, movie. I, I, I see. I've seen the trailer. <laughs> oh, there so. are many more, Patricia. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the trailer, so in my mind, I'm imagining it. I don't even know where to begin uh, with, uh, with this one. Uh, so I'll, I'll leave it over to you. Where does one begin with Blackbird? Oh, crikey. Yeah, thanks very much indeed. Um, <laughs> where do I begin? Uh, because there's so much to talk about, really. <laughs> um yeah, you know, I've been, I've been I've been thinking long and hard since I saw it. I saw it a couple of days ago. There was about five of us in the cinema, and there was three lads up the back. And um, their approach to this movie uh, has been similar to a lot of people. I think I've read online that when people go to this movie, they just laugh at it, and that's their way of enjoying it. Every time you know they say something stupid, and they say an awful lot of stupid things. Every time there's a terrible bit of acting, uh, every time there's something really ridiculous appears on screen, people are just laughing, and that's what. And uh, that's how they're going to kind of approach their 
their enjoyment of this film because but unfortunately they're laughing at the film they're not laughing along with it because this film takes itself very very seriously indeed i mean you know michael obviously thinks that he is humphrey bogart he, he obviously thinks that you know uh, it's 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 it is classic hollywood um and it's anything but unfortunately it's really cheesy it's terrible and it's such a shame and the thing is is that you know he says it's not a vanity project but of course it's it is in the near future, when you open up, you know, your 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 dictionary and look up, uh, you know, Vanity Project, you're going to see poster of Blackbird there because that's exactly what it is. He financed it himself. And as you heard, he directed it himself, even though he's never directed a movie before. He wrote the screenplay, which he's never done before. Uh, he stars in it. And not only does he star in it, but he's also given him the role of a character who's very kind of James Bond-like. I mean, this is a man in his 60s who is irresistible to women, uh, especially very, very young women. Um, he walks into a casino and, of course, all the women just fall for him and think he's devastatingly attractive and beautiful and amazing. Um, at one stage, a woman, a very young woman, goes into his bedroom and takes off all her clothes in front of him um, because he is just so devastatingly attractive and, and sexy. And he then kind of denies her advances because, uh, you know, he's Michael. And um, and there's a, women don't come across very well in this film by the way they're just basically scenery which i think is a terrible terrible shame so he's written himself that role this incredible role of a former mi5 guy who um has can, can skills stop you? He's a, uh, that he's acquired he's, he's over a, the years he's a troubled secret agent was that he was he was, a, he was a secret agent he used to be with mi5 he was with a, a subdivision of mi5 of a bunch of irish guys work for mi5 called the chieftains Hello. Oh. And um, so he, his wife dies. And so therefore he decides, look, he's got to get away from the business because he doesn't want to do it anymore. So he goes to Barbados, opens up a, a casino there, which does attract all kinds of ne'er-do-wells. Uh, in, walks, in the door walks uh, Eric Roberts. Now, we know Eric Roberts is the bad guy. Now, Patricia, how do we know that Eric Roberts is the bad guy? He's probably got a scar, has he? No, he's Eric Roberts because he's always the bad guy. Oh, okay. And um, and he's got a woman um, at his side. Now, the thing is, apparently, uh, Michael has had a relationship with this woman in the past. Now, the thing is, his wife died 10 years previously and he is still mourning the death of his wife. This woman is in her early 30s. So therefore, you kind of think, well, hang on now a second. If he's had a relationship with this woman, what age was that woman when they've had this relationship? These are the kind of things that you can't and shouldn't be thinking about when you're watching this film. But you do. You are constantly asking yourself, how ridiculous is it, though? You know, this stuff that we're watching on screen. And I, do you know what I think the problem is? The problem is, is that when Michael decided to, to make this film, he decided to make it, you know, incredibly seriously. You're meant to take everything you see in here seriously. And I think if every now and then, at least there was a little nod and a wink, you know, from... Uh, you know, the um, from anybody in the film, just to say, look, we know we're in on the joke here. We know what's going on. Do you know what I mean? I know. Um, yeah. I know. He said on the late, late show. I think he said, he said on the late show that look, unless you, I, I'm paraphrasing now, he said something like, look, unless you try things in life, then you're not going to achieve anything. But I think there are times in life when maybe you just shouldn't. You should be aware of what you're capable of, capable of doing. And he obviously wasn't capable of doing this. I mean, it's a rich man's folly, basically, really is what it is. Um, people are thinking, I'm talking about it in terms of it becoming a cult movie because yeah. it's so silly and people will laugh at it. But that's not that wasn't his initial no, um, no. concept. I Talk mean, he to really me, took it very, very seriously. Talk to me about his hat. Hats. There's a lot of hats in it. 
Well, you, if you, you're going to ask me I, when we finished this review, you always ask me how many marks, you know, do I give something out of 10? And I was yeah. going to give a mark to the hats yeah. because the performance of these fedoras that he's wearing. But the, I don't know who did uh, the clothes because it's very odd. Patrick Bergen at one stage has a fedora. He's got a big hat and he's got a big raincoat, like something out of the 50s. And yet he's supposed to be in modern day London. It's very strange. It really is. But the hats are always at this weird angle. And um, the thing about Fatley in this film, by the way, Michael Flatley plays the character of Victor Blackley, which rhymes with Flatley. Um, the thing is, is that he spends most of his time looking from underneath these hats. And there's an awful lot of staring underneath the hat in, in this film. It's only 88 minutes long, but boy, and you know me, I like a short movie. It was difficult to sit through this. It, it, it really was. Are it's there, such good, a shame are that, there good um, action scenes in it? But, but, say that again. So you are, broke are, up. are there good action scenes in it? That's the thing. There's very little action scenes oh. at all. Hardly anything happens. I mean, most of the film is taken with Flatley just looking out into space. And you spend your whole time going, what's he looking at? What's he, what, what's he looking at? But he's looking out into space because he's dark and because he's got thoughts and he's got deep, dark thoughts. So there's a lot of staring into space in this. The performances, there's one good performance by Eric Roberts, who's basically playing Eric Roberts. It's what he always does. There's a lovely, actually, I, I don't know his name, but the same photographer does well here. There's a lovely shot, actually, which they shot in, in uh, at um, uh, Flatley's mansion. Uh, at the, there's a, at the yeah. very start of the film, at the funeral of his wife. That is beautiful. And some of the shots in Barbados are beautiful as well. So if there's only just, and they're the only two positives, though, that come out of this film. Nice cinematography. Eric Roberts is chewing the scenery, as you'd expect. But the rest of it is is a terrible shame. It really is. So go along for a laugh, is what you're saying. Don't go along to watch a serious movie. See, I don't do that. I don't like that. I didn't like the fact that the three lads were just laughing at everything because I don't laugh at bad movies. I just kind of feel a bit sad. And I wished that, look, I know that he, he had all the money. And so therefore... Was he surrounded by sycophants? Why Why didn't somebody tap him on the shoulder and say, look, at least get a script writer in, somebody yeah. who can write a good story yeah. or maybe get a good director in to try and kind of work and make this into something kind of interesting. And, and, and I don't like the fact that I'm, I'm talking this way because I like Michael Flatley. He deserves all his success. He's worked hard for it. And um, but yeah, it's it's very poor. OK, that's Blackwood. You got to mark it out of 10. How many marks are you giving for the hats? <laughs> Yeah, one for the cinematographer and one for the hats. <laughs> Two out of ten. All right. Now, the second movie I'm interested in, this is the Disney. This is uh, Pinocchio. This is a real life version of Pinocchio, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's Disney once again, kind of updating all of their classic uh, old movies, and uh, this stars Tom Hanks as um, as uh, what's the character he plays again? Geppetto. Geppetto. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I presume you've seen. I presume you've seen the original oh, cartoon, yeah. have you? Yeah, absolutely, many times. Well, you see, this is the thing. Me, me and kind of historic kind of Disney, um, we have a strange relationship. I've seen all of these movies, uh, the you know, classic Disney um, in the past when I was a kid, but I've never, I'm somebody who watches movies over and over again, but I've never gone back to, to have a look at classic Disney. I don't know what it is about me and classic Disney. We just are strange kind of bedfellows. We don't really get on particularly well. So I'm very supportive of what Disney has been doing over the last few years, kind of remaking these. And, and why not? The problem is that there's a lot of people out there who don't like it. They don't like these new movies. I liked The Lion King, the new version of The Lion King. A lot of people didn't. I liked Aladdin. A lot of people didn't. A lot of people have hated on this, but I really liked it. I thought it was lovely. It's not perfect in any way. 
for some reason, they didn't put it into the cinemas. They decided to drop it on Disney+. Plus. I don't know why they did that, because there's plenty of money to be made out there. And I think there were, you know, there's lots of people out there who would kind of love this story of, of uh, Geppetto, who uh, built, makes this doll because his son has passed away. He wishes that the son would be, become a boy. Uh, his wish comes true up to a point. He doesn't necessarily become a real boy, but the doll does come to life. And um, and then the doll goes off on adventures whilst, uh, you know, the fairy tells him he has to live a virtuous life in order to become a real boy. And he's helped along the way uh, by um, the character of Jimmy, Jiminy Cricket, who's voiced here by Joseph uh, Gordon-Levitt. And... I really enjoyed it. I mean, look, it's not all perfect. I think people were critical about the way in which Pinocchio looks, but I think what they tried to do was they tried to kind of animate the original look of Pinocchio. And so therefore it's kind of out of place with the very detailed kind of CGI that they have in the film. It follows the, the original film um, very, very similarly. Um, but there are differences. There are some new songs in there from uh, Alan Silvestri. The soundtrack by Silvestri is but beautiful, by the, the way. I like the in, a lot of the old songs are in it. Only a couple. They've oh, taken a lot okay. of those out. And they've done something interesting, too. The songs are short and very, they're, they're very short. And I understand why they did that, because when I was a kid, when I used to watch these movies, I never liked the songs. <laughs> that was when we ended up kind of throwing kind of popcorn at each other. So I can understand why they do that. There's one very interesting original song uh, that they did. Luke Evans in it, right? Luke Evans plays the coachman in this. And there's a song where he's basically Fagan. He's bringing the kids to Pleasureland. And he's basically Fagan. Uh, Fagan and he's basically singing, you got to pick a pocket or two. Huh. And the song is very, very similar. Very odd. And then there's a moment where he turns to the camera, beware parents, he swears oh. in a Disney cartoon. Now, I've got to be very careful. Now, so don't say the word, but it's that one that starts with B and kind of ends sometimes. There's a different spelling with, with an X at the oh. end. And I watched this with my wife. We both looked at each other and we went, did That's he just, not did he just say that word? Yeah. <laughs> So, so be aware of that. We also know, noted that it's a nine plus, which is very odd for a Disney Pinocchio film. So keep that in mind, because when they go to Pleasureland, of course, they're turned into donkeys. You might remember in the original yeah, film. Yeah. And they've got these kind of got these weird creatures, you know, almost like Death Eaters with very, very piercing eyes that kind of kidnap the donkeys. And that could be very scary to, to very young kids. So keep that in mind. But look, I certainly found it entertaining. I think it's beautiful to look at. I think the standard of the animation is extraordinary and I'd recommend it. I liked it very much indeed and as did my wife. Well done. I'm a big Disney fan as well so I'm looking forward to it. Mark, Pinocchio out of 10. I'll give it 7. 7 out of 10. Okay, listen, have a lovely week and uh, thank you for touring Blackbird for us. I know that was a bit of an effort uh, but we really do appreciate it. You're a great movie reviewer. Well, talk next Friday. Thanks a million. Bye-bye. That is uh, Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. Just a quick couple of texts. Hi, Patricia. Can you mention that Brian McDermott is playing in Theo Park uh, tonight? There, I've done it for you. And there is also somebody asking me to, to, to mention that Middleton GAA bingo is on the usual this evening at 7.30. Great prizes on offer and dancing tomorrow night is to Muriel and a Fran. OK, that's where I wrap it up for today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy who's been producing all week while John Paul was off. John Paul back with us on uh, Monday morning. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and I will talk to you on Monday morning at 10. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.